This is the On The Line Podcast. And we're back to another episode of the On The Line Podcast. I'm joined again by Noah. How you doing, man? Doing great, man. Another fantastic week coming up for us. A lot of good stuff uh, in the news. A lot of good stuff going on with sports. No guests this week for us. Just back to... The good old days of you and I going back and forth with some debates, so I'm ready to get started. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Did you catch did you catch the sports this weekend? There was so much going on this weekend. Did you catch that first Davis Dallas Avalanche game? I mean, I thought it was amazing. Both high scoring teams. And I know that you have a hot take for us later about Nathan McKinnon, but you know, just to start the show off real quick, um, initial reaction, do you think that the Avalanche, you know, how good do they look? You know, I mean, they did lose uh, to Dallas, what, five five to three, I believe, was the final score of the yes. game. Yeah. Look, I think both of these teams look very good. We've talked about this off air, but it comes down to what offense is going to show up in every game. I think the goaltending for each side is pretty average. It's not necessarily the most elite goaltending on either side. I feel like this is just going to be a very high-scoring, high-intensity, fast-paced series. and whatever team shows up with the more firepower and whatever goaltender uh, isn't playing so well. I mean, that's who's really going to determine who wins the game. There's just going to be a lot of goals going back and forth. A lot of big names in this series between Nate McKinnon, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and plenty of other players on both sides. So it's going to be fun to watch. I like it. I like it. And we're going to get more into the NHL takes later in the show. But we're going to start off here with Earl Thomas. Then we're going to move into the In the News. And then the second half of the show, we're going to do NHL talk. We're going to go over our right and wrong predictions from the first round and our predictions for the second round. And then we're going to end the show with NBA talk. We're going to talk about Kawhi's legacy and how that's affected um, in this series against the Mavs. We're going to talk about the Lakers and the Lake show there, how they came back against the Blazers to take a 2-1 lead. And then we're going to finish off about the Jazz and how Donovan Mitchell has totally taken over that series. But let's start here with Earl Thomas. Noah, I'm going to defer to you first. You can go first on this. Got let go by the Ravens. Altercation on the team. We don't know the full details, but all we know is that he was released by the Ravens. Where's he going to end up next? Yeah, I mean, before we get into where he was going to go, obviously what happened was he got in a fight with uh, another defensive back on the team, Chuck Clark. Uh, didn't go over well. Uh, team chemistry definitely seemed to be affected by this. A lot of players were sort of taken aback by it. Uh, the organization didn't like Earl Thomas's attitude, and uh, even though they did sign into an absolutely massive deal uh, just a year ago, he has a $15 million salary cap hit this year, but they did release him, so which they're just going to have to take that cap hit, which is really telling of the situation obviously it was not good if they were able to even just look past taking that 15 million dollar cap hit but you know he's off of the team now and that begs the question of where he's going to land everyone's saying right now that the most obvious spot is dallas uh there were rumors that dallas was going to go after jamal adams so they're definitely looking to add to that secondary now that earl thomas is on the market He's definitely going to be somebody that they're going to keep their eye on. Uh, they did pick up HaHa Clinton Dix in the off season, but obviously, everything. I think uh, I think a lot of people would agree that Earl Thomas is an upgrade over HaHa Clinton Dix. But 
from what Mike McCarthy's been doing this offseason, just adding a ton of free agents, a ton of firepower. It seems like him and Jerry Jones are on the same page if they want to win right now, and I think Earl Thomas would be a great piece for them because they're definitely in a win-now mood. So that would be my pick right now is Dallas is the favorite. I agree with you here that like Dallas is clearly the favorite. I mean, it's what everybody's been saying. you know. And here's the part where it kind of is a little murky for me. You say that they're win-now. Why? What has changed about that team that turns them into win now? For the past few years, they've been win now. They're first on exit in the playoffs every single year. Why are they win now and now? And how does Earl Thomas make them that much better of a team? Well, they're win now because I feel like it's a whole new organization and a whole new regime with Mike McCarthy coming in there. I mean, you had what a uh, good old coach clap there with Jason Garrett running the show. Just the, uh, you know, some mediocrity there. I mean, it was, like you said, every season was, we're going to win now. We're going to be a contender. And they did put together some decent seasons. I mean, Dak Prescott's rookie year was fantastic. They knocked off plenty of good teams. But every time they either near the postseason or get near the postseason, excuse me, they don't make it. Or if they actually do get in, they'll lose in the first round. So it's been a lot of disappointment. I feel like they're trying to turn a new page right now. I think that's why with Mike McCarthy that they're trying to go all in, especially now they did add free agents. Like I said, haha Clinton Dix. They also added Gerald McCoy, but uh, you know, we'll get into that into into the news a little bit, even though that he uh recently suffered a season ending injury, so that was unfortunate. But I mean, yeah, that's my reason. I think it's uh it's a whole new regime with Mike McCarthy, so that's why it's win now, and that's why I think that uh he's just gonna continue to keep up with the trend of spending in free agency and go get Earl Thomas. You know what? I see that. I see your point. They got 12 million in cap, which is definitely enough to sign him for this year. But you know where I'm going to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to actually disagree with you here. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the minority because a lot of people think that Dallas is a spot. Like as soon as a news story came out, the Twitter, Twitter sphere was just like Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. Like it's just going to be Dallas. I'm going to disagree with you here. I don't, you know, and and like you said, it's Mike McCarthy regime, but everyone knows who owns that team. Jerry Jerry Jones and the Jones family owns that team, and it's been like that forever. Do you honestly, like, uh, what do you think? Do you think that Jason Garrett had control over the personnel on that team? You know, it's tough to say. I mean, you've read stories and you've heard about the Dallas Cowboy way and how Jason Garrett, you know, believe he played there at one point in time, so... Jerry Jones has been quoted saying that he's part of the family, or at least he was, and he was like a son to him just because of how much time that they spent together. But do I honestly believe Jason Garrett was the one calling the shots at the end of the day? Absolutely not. I mean, this is coming from the man who spent the draft on what his super yacht. I mean, Jerry Jones is absolutely calling the shots. I mean, that... Just seeing that right there tells me everything that I need to know about Jerry Jones. He's absolutely over the top. He's calling every single shot in that organization. He does run the show. So, yeah, Jason Garrett definitely wasn't in charge. He was more of just a manager of what Jerry Jones gave him. Absolutely. See, and that's that's kind of like why I think that, you know, maybe as much as it's win now, I just don't see that team. Like, yes. I agree that the mentality in that building is we're going to win now, like you said, but I don't think that they are a contender now. And you know what? 
before I keep getting into the Cowboys, I'm going to, I'm going to say my pick here. And I, I, you, you're probably going to disagree with me. You might. Um, but you know what? I'm going to go with the team that has the most cap space and would be an absolutely amazing and satisfying move for Earl Thomas to go to, to get revenge. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns here. I think the Browns could absolutely go out and just be like, Hey, we'll offer the Browns have $38 million in cap space. Like they could totally just go out and offer Earl Thomas, um, just whatever he wants in terms of money to come and play for them. And I think that it would be sweet revenge for him because a team just let him go that he was a part of. And that's a championship caliber team. Ravens are one of the lead teams to win the Super Bowl next year. And he's off it. And now when, if you go to the Browns, if Baker Mayfield can perform, you're talking a loaded offense, a defense that is very good. They decided to not bring in Jadavian Clowney yet. And their, their safeties are decent. I mean, they have Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph back there, two veterans, but if you add Earl Thomas to that defense, you're talking a legitimate playoff contender here. And it would be sweet revenge for for Earl Thomas to go to an in-division rival. I mean, what do you think about that move? Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't necessarily say I'm going to disagree with you because, like you said, they have the number one uh, cap space in the league right now with over $30 million. And, you know, Cleveland is another team and they're pretty similar to Dallas, in my opinion, where they've just been hyperactive in free agency and adding big names and just trying to stockpile as much talent as they can. Uh, you look at the offensive side of the ball rather than the defensive side of the ball for them. I mean, they're adding guys like Austin Hooper. They had the Kareem Hunt acquisition just a, l- a few years ago, uh, trading for OBJ and Jarvis Landry. Uh, so those have been the big names, but, you know, adding Earl Thomas to that defense, like you said, it would be a huge help because Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo, uh, no offense to them. I mean, they're solid veteran talents. I mean, uh, Carl Joseph spent his uh, entire career with the Raiders before uh, going to Cleveland in the off season, but are either of them better than Earl Thomas? Absolutely not. He would help that defense tremendously. And we know what the AFC North is going to be this year. I mean, I don't think anyone has Cincinnati pegged as a contender. So it's really right now between Cleveland, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. You're going to need a defense to win that division. You're going to need a good defense to contend. They already have solid pieces. Earl Thomas would only help bolster that. And we saw what a safety acquisition did for the Steelers last year when they got Minka Fitzpatrick. It absolutely helped them explode and really turn into an elite defense. Could Earl Thomas be that piece? He might. I mean, it's a solid take. I really do like him going to Cleveland. I like it, especially since there are corners back there. You got Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, two prior first-round picks that the Browns spent on their secondary. So it's like their secondary, they're already trying to get it great. If you add Earl Thomas back there, boom, boom. It's it's a top top 10 secondary in the league. Maybe, and you know, this might be a stretch, maybe a top 10 defense in the league. I'm going to say it. Between Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, and that loaded secondary, come on. I mean, they're really, really good. They're pretty deep. And the offense, I mean, everyone knows they have 
some of the best weapons in the league, maybe next to Tampa, but they have some of the best weapons. And I think Earl Thomas would be a great fit there. Um, I mean, Noah, you mentioned before the show, you mentioned this, you mentioned that maybe he could go back to Seattle. Do you still think that he could go back to Seattle? What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, we did talk about it before the show and it would just be an interesting storyline. Uh, but you had mentioned that that bridge is burned in your opinion. And I'm going to backtrack and definitely agree with you there. I mean, uh, just with all of his injury woes and things like that, I don't think Seattle is necessarily an option. And I don't think Pete Carroll uh, is going to be one to welcome him back there. I know that he's been a little more progressive than other coaches in bringing in some guys who would have controversial uh, off the field issues or controversial on the field issues. But yeah, let's be real here. I mean, he left them. It's bad breakup. And are you going to go back to your ex? Absolutely not. I mean, that's just one of the things that a lot of people, they definitely don't want to be doing that. So I don't think a reunion here with the Seahawks is very likely. It would be an interesting storyline, and it would get a lot of headlines. I'm sure the I'm sure the media would love it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I agree. You know what? The perfect marriage, as soon as I saw this, I was like, and I'm high on this. I said this with Jamal, where he should go. I was high on Tampa because, I, you know what? Like I was like, Tampa, oh, what do they need? They need they need secondary. So I was like, maybe Tampa could get him. Tampa has a million dollars in cap space. There's no chance they get him. So, I mean, I wish. I mean, how cool would that be to watch? If, if Earl was on that team, they would be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, would they not? I mean, I already think that they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Granted, their division is extremely tough. I feel like if they were in a, you know, let's say the AFC South, with the Colts and the Texans, I feel like they'd have a much easier road. But if they did have Earl, it would immediately throw them into that top three contender conversation for sure. Yeah, I, I think we're a little different on this. And I think we mentioned this in prior shows. I do think that the Falcons are going to finish second in that division. I think that the Bucks are going to finish third. I think I said it before, and I think you disagreed with me there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was high on the Falcons as well. What I believe it was before last year, everyone picked them as a bounce back candidate, and they just had an awful start to the year. But they did have a great second half. I believe they finished six and two, and they knocked off at least uh, one division opponent in the back half. I mean, they knocked off the knocked off the Saints. I believe they beat the Panthers twice, uh, and they beat the Bucks as well. So, look, it's going to be tough there. I mean. I've said it before, too. I don't know if I trust in Brady as much as everyone does. I mean, obviously, people uh, refer to the guy as the GOAT, but this is really going to be a test here. Is it Was it just Belichick's magic that really worked for him? I mean, if he proves it in Tampa, I think everyone has to concede the title of GOAT to Tom Brady, but I don't think the Falcons are going to relinquish uh, you know, any of the win share so easily just because... They were in a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I mean, Matt Ryan has been very solid for them as well. Uh, and I feel like they're looking to rebound. Obviously, last year did not go as planned for them. They were probably looking to at least be a contender to win that division. So, And with the Saints little... there and an improved Carolina Panthers, I mean, that division is just going to be a dogfight. I think it's the best division in football. A little segue. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Best division in football. Better than the NFC West? You think it's more consider competitive than that? That's a tough one. 
Yeah, you know what? Maybe the NFC West's a little better just because I feel like uh, their worst team is much better than Carolina. Their worst team is the Cardinals, who are much improved. So maybe second best. I'll say second best. I also have a little thing here. You said most or some, excuse me, some people consider Tom Brady the GOAT. Are you part of that some people? I already know that you're putting me on the show or you're putting me on the spot I'm, here this show you're asking you, me so many questions no i don't think tom Br- I, i've said it before <laughs> that system qb i mean the dude only completed like 62 percent of his passes last year i think mitch trubisky had a higher completion percentage uh i think i think if he you know what i'll say this if he even makes it to the super bowl this year I'll give him that title. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he'll perform for another team. But he had the greatest football mind ever in New England, and it's not even close. There is no second contest to uh, Bill Belichick. So I've said it. I don't think he's the greatest talent. He's not the GOAT. He's. I agree. He's not the greatest talent, but he is the GOAT. Come on. Come on. Come on, most here's a here's the thing though. Here's the thing to to call him a system QB. Okay, if, if everyone says it's because of that system, it's because of Belichick. That system is still there in New England. What if like if if Cam Newton cannot bring that team to the playoffs? Will you say that he's not a system QB? You know what? I'm gonna have to. I mean, I'll have to eat my words. This season is gonna be extremely telling, and I feel like it. It's a good narrative for Tom, and I feel like he's betting on himself. I don't want to say Belichick's betting on himself because I think everybody knows that he's the greatest coach of all time. He has really nothing to lose, and he's just, you know, he's going after his. But it's going to be a very telling season for Tom because if he has success in Tampa and if New England has or does not have success with Cam, I mean, you're going to have, I'm going to have to backtrack and uh, eat my words and say that he's not a system QB. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm coming after you tonight. This show. I'm coming after you, dude. And well, there's you no guests, so that's. I guess we have to fill the void with something. It's just unfair. I let you. I let you ask the questions because I can take it. Dude, I can take the you heat. Ask the question. Ask the questions back to me, man. I can take the heat too. I'll see. Uh, I'll. I'll raise you one here. And you know what? That was a great, great segment on Earl Thomas. So you think the Cowboys? I think the. I think the Browns. I mean, I guess we'll see. And we got a little distracted there with with uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady because he's the GOAT, whatever. Um, <laughs> little, little score update here. Bruins up 2-0 on the Lightning. Um, I actually had the Lightning winning this game. I thought the Lightning were a way better team, but it seems like the Bruins are just totally going up. What do you think? Do you think Bruins or Lightnings this game? Uh, I mean, you know, it's really hard. It's really hard to come back from a two-goal deficit. Then again, people say two gold leads, the worst lead in hockey, but especially in the playoffs, I feel like it's going to be really, uh, really difficult for the Bruins to give up that lead. But we've seen it happen plenty of times before. I mean, what Dallas did to Calgary to uh, end the series a few nights ago was absolutely absurd. So anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that throughout the show. Let's move on to In the News, where we talk about news stories that happened over the past week. I mean, Dustin Johnson, Noah, take us here. The Noah, the golf expert. Noah is turning into a golf star out there on the links. He's absolutely crushing it. Dustin Johnson shoots a minus 30. How do you do that? Like, how does that ever? I've never seen anything like that. How does that happen? Yeah, so it was at the uh, 
the Northern Trust, which is at TPC Boston, which is one of the you know one of the best courses out there. Uh, but yeah, Dustin Johnson played absolutely phenomenal through the entire week. I mean, I believe it was through the first nine holes on the first day that he was nine under par. So I think he I think he had two eagles, uh, two pars, and then he birdied the rest. So you know. Come on, Dustin. Could you really just not birdie every hole? Did you have to throw in the eagles and the pars? I mean, seriously, dude. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna trend that low, you might as well have just kept it consistent. See, that's where he's not that good. He could have birdied every hole. What a freak, man. No, nah, I'm just kidding. He, <laughs> no, he played absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that is so hard to do. And you know, you're pumping my tires a little bit, calling me a golf god. For those listeners out there, I am improving my game a lot i'm shooting consistently under bogey i'm in the 80s now but just think about this for me to go at tpc boston and actually play i would probably shoot over 100 no problem i would not get anywhere close and this dude is just out here birdie birdie eagle (laughs) par his par was his worst one he was like ah shit i parred this hole all right we'll move on to the next we'll birdie the next one anyway and then even in round four today to close out the close out the tournament he shot minus eight on the day which is still absolutely unbelievable ridiculous just to round it out dustin johnson did finish with that minus 30 11 strokes over the second place finisher 11 strokes over the next closest guy had minus 19 absolutely incredible ridiculous dude that's absurd and one more thing Um, one more thing partner is uh paulina gretzky so uh yeah he's winning in that department as well shout out to this guy i mean he's just an absolute uh just an absolute beast smoke show alert this is a kid show this is a kid show but keep it pg mark smoke show alert god um but uh yeah i mean guy's an absolute winner all around like you said um Let's go on to the next thing in the news. Gerald McCoy, bad injury, um, might have ended his season for the Cowboys. They released him on an injury wave, um, so he's no longer with the team. He's a free agent. No team is probably going to really pick him up, um, so that's just a downgrade for the Cowboys there. Your Cowboys, Noah, your Cowboys that are going to get Earl Thomas. You watch Cowboys-Earl Thomas championship. Isn't that right? You forgot to add Noah at the end of that. I don't even know why you're calling him my Cowboys. I was just saying that they've been making some moves in the offseason, and I'm giving Mike McCarthy the credit where it's due. He's trying to turn the ship around there. He's got the biggest branded football, and he's trying to put on a show in uh, Jerry World there. That's all That's all I'm trying to say. Hot take, and I'm going to say it right now, and I think that this is true. I think that the Eagles, they're going to split with the Eagles. Okay, They're going to go one and one with the Eagles. I think that the Giants are going to sweep the Cowboys this year. Giants are going to go 2-0 and against the Cowboys this year. 100%. Daniel Jones, watch out. Saquon is going to run all over that defense. You watch. For people listening at home, Mark started, uh, started his full-time job a couple of weeks ago. So the stress of work has clearly been uh, affecting his, you know, his sports takes. Uh, he's definitely delusional right now, but you know, I'll keep I'll, I'll reel him back in at some point this season. It's fine. He'll be back to normal in no time. <laughs> you write this down, Noah. You write this down. I'm telling you, Giants are going to sweep the Cowboys this week this, what, this year. All right. What about the Skins? What do you think the Skins are going to do? Skins are 
Uh, oh, no, no, excuse me, the Washington football team. Sorry. Uh, right, okay. Apologies. Right. Okay, Washington football team. It, see, that depends because you don't know who's going to start a QB. You don't really know who they're, what their running back situation's like. Um, so, and you know what? No, it looks like I'm going to be wrong. I, I, you know, I didn't want to see Alex Smith play another snap and it looks like he might because he looks, uh, and this is unfair to say because the only, I don't know if you saw the video of Alex Smith versus Dwayne Haskins on Twitter. Did you see that video? I did not. No, I've, I'm just happy that he's back out there on the field. Yeah, it was like one video from practice where it was like one throw by both of them. They were running the same drill, and Alex did so much better. But you can't really judge it by one throw. Everyone was making a big deal. Oh, Alex is going to be the starter. Slow down. He's been out of football for a while. Dwayne Haskins is a rookie. hes I mean, he was a rookie, so he's coming in. He's, you know, everybody's got to slow down. I think it starts, you know, they got to start a foundation. I'm not going to make any predictions on the red sorry, the Washington football team, because they, you know, there's so many questions up in the air, but I am going to say, I think the Giants are going to sweep the Cowboys. I think the Giants are fundamentally right. I think their team is fundamentally right. Their defense is kind of where it's lacking, but I, you know what? I just think they're in better shape than the Cowboys. I don't, I don't think the Cowboys are that, that dynamic. I don't, I just don't, even with CeeDee Lamb on that team, I don't, but that's that's a tangent. That's a topic for another day. Um, let's get on to one of my favorite parts of the show here. We're still in the news. Mike Milbury said an off off color comment on national TV. Noah, you want to walk us through that? Yeah, Mike Milbury. Uh, you know, he was he was commentating on one of the games, and somebody asked him about you know how the players were reacting to the situation in the bubble and how that impacts their play. And he said that, you know, if it were him and if he were a player, it would actually be the perfect scenario because, you know, it's a very tight-knit uh, it's a very tight knit environment. If you love playing hockey, getting out there, uh, grinding it out with the boys, it's a perfect environment because there's no distractions. And he said on air, there's no women out there that are going to distract him. That, and apparently people took offense to that. Yeah, Obviously, I, I... he didn't. Obviously, he didn't say it exactly how I did. I think it was a little more colorful, if I'm not mistaken. But listen, I don't know what everyone else's opinion on Mike Milbury is. I don't think this is nearly the worst thing that he has done because he, when he was a player, climbed into the stands and beat somebody over the head with his own shoe as a player. That is just absolutely disgraceful. That is, This is near, not nearly the worst thing that he's done. And Mark... I don't know about you, but what he did to your Isles as their former GM, running them into the ground, absolutely disgusting. I feel like those two things that I just mentioned are more crimes than what he said on air. Noah, I couldn't agree with you more. I could not agree with you more. I think his comments were the least offensive thing that he's done. And as an Islanders fan, I have some choice words for him. So I'm not going to say him because this is a kid's show. Everyone knows it's a kid's show. So I'm not going to say it, but uh, yeah, I just think that it was kind of overblown what he said. But uh, speaking of the Isles, let's go Isles game tomorrow night against the Flyers. Let's go Isles. Um, Short plug there. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's one of the, you know, it's something minor that he's done compared to the rest of his career. 
But uh, let's finish the news off with this last story, which is kind of big. Let me let me just uh, circle back. Sad news coming out of Washington here about uh, Coach Ron Rivera. He got diagnosed with cancer. It's totally, I mean, you never want to see that happen. It's prayers to Ron Rivera and his family for him um, to make a full recovery. But, I mean, that totally has to put an impact on the team. And in addition to that, Darius Geis, a promising running back for the team, got into legal trouble because of domestic abuse, and they cut him. So it's like, look, the football, the Washington football team gets a good quarterback back, Alex Smith. They're trending up. And then what happens? Darius Geis does this, and then they trend down. Like, an organization like that needs to have consistency. And when you bring in players like this that are just like, you bring in Darius Geis, Look, he he did some off-the-field issues, and you cut him. That is totally detrimental to the rest of your team, and a lot of players do not make a rebound from that because it's a totally inexcusable event. Ron Rivera having uh, this health condition is absolutely – it's very, very sad, Um, but uh, obviously it's going to affect the team. And Noah, and I'm going to ask you this, what do you think? You know, How does the team – sort of get through the playback how do they get through training camp if ron rivera can't be there all the time and how does the darius guy situation affect the backfield yeah i mean like you said it's just a huge blow because you get a player back a good veteran with alex smith but then it immediately falls over when a guy like guys a former second round pick a guy who was supposed to be a star for you, truly be a star. Everyone was touting him as, you know, one of the next best running backs. I mean, it was another guy coming out of LSU because Leonard Fournette was there a year before him. So everyone was going to say, oh, LSU running backs are going to be the new uh, faces of the league. But, you know, with the domestic violence issues with him off the field, I mean, he's gone now. Uh, and then not only that, the one cornerstone of their team, the guy who's going to be the captain to turn this thing around, Ron Rivera. I mean, he's supposed to be their leader and their rock, and he gets this horrible diagnosis with lymph node cancer. Don't want to necessarily downplay it, but the fantastic news is is it's, a, it's very treatable, very curable, which is good for him because he also did say that he's going to be in the building as much as possible. He was even quoted saying, listen, I'm going to be... I'm going to be a little cranky. I'm going to be a little bit of an asshole, but I feel like, uh, I feel like that's, uh, you know, I feel like that comes with the uh, disease. So he knows what's ahead of him, but he's going to take this head on and try to be in the building as much as possible. It's just, I mean, this is one of the craziest situations I've ever seen in the off season with any football team with drama, with the management, with changing the team name, with having your new coach getting diagnosed with cancer. I mean, like, I don't know what your take is, Mark, but, like, how much more adversity could one organization face? This on top of just everything going on with COVID, I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. What's what's going on in Washington? I, I don't even know, and I, I don't think there's answers there, and they are, like I said before, the Jets are dysfunctional, the Washington Redskins are right there. And, you know, the Ron Rivera situation is by nobody's choice at all. And, uh, you know, hopefully he makes a full recovery. Like you said, it's 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 uh, more than likely he will, and hopefully he does. But in terms of personnel on the field, I mean, 
there's just dysfunction. And I just don't see that team being good in the foreseeable future. I really like Dwayne Haskins because I'm an Ohio State fan. But, I mean, I've seen for years, like, a lot of these QBs that come out of Ohio State, they're not very good. And as much as I hope that they will be, and I'm hopeful for Justin Fields. I think he's got to be a star in the NFL. But I don't know. I just don't see a lot of promise for that Washington Redskins future. And the loss of Darius Geis is huge. And I think that that's something that – they're going to have to overcome here, especially with an aging backfield. I mean, who do they still have? Chris Thompson back there and Adrian Peterson. Peterson, AP, I mean, he's one of the greatest running backs of all time, but he's really old. Can't run him every single play. So it's going to be tough. They're not going to be very good this year. I mean, that's that's for sure, and I think everybody can agree on that. But uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. back second half of the show if you missed the first half of the show we talked about the earl thomas being released by the ravens at potential landing spots um and then we talked about in the news gerald mccoy dustin johnson and uh the washington redskins and how dysfunctional they are and now we're going to talk about the nhl where we went right where we went wrong um, and our predictions for the second round and then we're going to go into go into the nba predictions and talk a little bit about Kawhi. And uh, I'm joined again here by Noah. How you doing, man? Doing good, dude. Great first half of the show, as always. Uh, ready to get into the second half. Got a lot more, a uh, lot more to talk about and debate in the second half here. So let's get after it. Let's get going. So NHL. Let's go back. Right and wrong. We're gonna do right and wrong right now. So for me, right and wrong. Noah, I'll let you do your own. For me, right and wrong. What I got wrong. I thought Carolina was going to beat the Bruins. I was wrong about that. The Bruins played very well, was able to knock off Carolina and uh, moved on to the next round. So I was wrong about that. And, um, you know, it takes a big man to say that they're wrong. And I'm not saying that I'm a good person, but, uh, you know, I just admitted that I was wrong. I admit my faults. So there we go. Noah, you're up. Don't pat yourself on the back here too much, because uh, I'm also going to admit the same thing. I was also wrong about Carolina. Uh, thought that they were going to make it in seven. Uh, Boston ended up winning, I think, every single game after that. So uh, clearly wrong there. Uh, uh, the other two that I was wrong about, which I will say the first one, I even called out on the show and said it was too far-fetched and I just wanted to be different. But Phoenix got absolutely destroyed by the Avalanche, which I probably knew deep down, but I went with them anyway because I just wanted to shake things up and keep it interesting for you guys, but clearly wrong there. And then my last one was uh, Calgary. I did think Calgary was going to end up edging out Dallas in that series. I thought they had a lot of firepower. Uh, Johnny Goudreau was a guy that I was looking to carry the team along with uh, Kachuk. And... uh, they just couldn't get it done. Dallas proved to have more firepower. So that was wrong in those series. Uh, not my best predictions, but, uh, you know, looking to turn it around in the next round. Looking to turn it around, absolutely. But uh, the next round, it's going to be amazing. I mean, I can't wait. Um, you know, in the first round, nobody was swept, unlike last year where every first seed was swept. Nobody was swept in the first round. 
and no game went to seven. So that's pretty impressive. Um, so these teams are not that tired because nobody went to seven. So that's pretty good. It makes for fresh hockey here. But uh, let's start in the West. Let's go Vegas Nucks. I mean, the Nucks pulled off an impressive upset over the Blues to beat the defending Stanley Cup champions. Moving on to the second round, Vegas easily handled handled the Blackhawks. I mean, the Blackhawks, they beat them once, but the, the Knights look so good. Best goalie tandem in the league. Noah, do you think that the Nucks are going to pull this win off against the Knights, or do you think the Knights are just going to totally beat the Nucks? I don't want to say totally beat the Nucks, but I do think this is a very manageable series for them. Like you said, best goalie tandem in the league with Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. A little bit of controversy there that I'll touch on is that uh, Fleury appears to, you know, I don't want to say have lost a starting job, but they're going to roll with Leonard right now. He's performing better in the playoffs. Uh, Fleury's had this happen to him before, especially in Pittsburgh with Matt Murray. Uh, You know, didn't necessarily perform as well in the playoffs as the coach or the management had liked and they had a good goaltender behind him and Matt Murray so he was benched same situation in Vegas they're trying to win right now they're not gonna just go with the big name with Fleury I mean he's in my opinion a Hall of Fame goaltender has been in multiple finals won multiple cups but he's underperforming and Leonard is playing very well for them so if Leonard somehow starts to do worse I'm sure that they'll switch back to Flurry, but it's a good problem to have when you have guys like that on your team. And aside from goaltending, I think Vegas is one of the more well-rounded units in the league. They have good weapons up front and solid demon. So Vancouver's an interesting team because they did knock off the defending Stanley Cup champs, but just because they have a lot of youth and a lot of speed there and a lot of interesting guys, I do feel like Vegas is just as hungry as them to win a Stanley Cup, so I'm going to give it to Vegas here. Interesting, because Vegas is obviously the favorite. They're a really good team. they got a lot of talent. Best goalie tandem in the league remaining in the playoffs. I'm going to swip, I'm gonna flip the switch here, dude. I'm going Nucks. I think the Nucks are going to knock off the Knights and advance to the conference finals. Elias Pennerson. Pedersen, excuse me, Jake Vertanen, Brock Boser, Quinn Hughes, Tyler Toffoli, Bo Horvat, absolutely machine right there of a team. Youth, like you said, and they're coming in firing on all cylinders. I said this before the playoffs even happened. I said that the Nucks were going to be a team that could go far because of their youth. They're going to be able to adapt. And you know what? What do they have to lose? A lot of these games, I mean, I mean, when you look across sports, a lot of the teams that come into playoffs and stuff, you know, you see teams that have a lot of veteran presence and you see teams that have been there before. But if you look at teams like, take example in the NFL, you look at teams like the Tennessee Titans last year. What did they have to lose? Nothing. No one expected them to be there. It's the same thing with the Canucks here. No one expected them to be this far. And I think that they have enough firepower, enough youth, enough energy to absolutely bring this series to six or seven games and shock the NHL world and knock off the Knights and advance their conference finals. I'm riding with the Nucks here, man. It might be a hot take. I don't know how many people think that, but I'm riding with the Nucks here. Very hot take. They do have a lot of young firepower. Like you said, Elias Pedersen is absolutely tearing it up for them, and there are plenty of other young guys as well on that team that you could watch out for. And they also have a good uh, a good veteran presence with Chris Tanev there as well. So that's always solid to have good veteran leadership there. 
uh, in the playoffs, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. I mean, the Golden Knights are a little, uh, I still think a little bitter about losing in the cup finals a couple of years ago, and they got knocked off earlier than expected last year. So I feel like they're going to come hungry, even though Vancouver's hungry as well. I'm going to roll with the Knights. All right, we'll see. Let's move on to Colorado and Dallas. Who you got? Colorado, Dallas. I mean, what Dallas is up one nothing right now, but uh, I'm in love with Nathan McKinnon and uh, in this Colorado Avalanche team. I said it earlier in the beginning of the show that I think that uh, this series is just going to be absolutely action packed. It's just going to come down to whatever offense brings more firepower that night. I'm going to go. I think this one's going at least six or seven games, and I'm going to roll with the Avalanche here. They've been knocked out way too early uh, in the past two playoffs for them. I just don't want them to. I just don't want to see them go too early again. I want to see them get to the fo- conference final and even the Cup final there. So I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Avalanche in seven. I'm going to disagree with you again. I'm going Dallas here, dude. I think Dallas looks absolutely amazing. I mean. Look, I think, and I texted you, Noah, I te- I, we said this before the show, and I texted you yesterday, I said Dallas over five and a half goals last night, because I think that this game is going to be so high scoring, the final score, I don't know, what was the final score, 5-3, it ended up being eight goals, because both of these teams have great offensives that are just going to absolutely score, 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 and if you look at the goaltending here, Kudobin, Eh, I mean, he's he's a decent goaltender. What they need is Ben Bishop back. If the Stars get Ben Bishop back, I think that this is absolutely a leans in the Stars' favor. Just because, um, just because it totally rounds out their team, and I think that the Avalanche, you know what, they need a little bit of help. They got Grubauer back there at goalie, but I I don't think that he's, I don't think he's up to the level that you know. Kadobin is or up to the level that Ben Bishop is. And I think that the offense is like you said, I mean, Nathan McKinnon, he's probably the second best player in the NHL. Um, I think that their offense is really good, but Dallas's offense is very good as well. I just really like Dallas here. I think they have all the momentum going in. They were in a dog fight with Calgary. Everyone thought that Calgary could have pulled that off, but I mean, I thought the stars were, and I was right. I'm not too, I'm not too proud to say that I was right. And, uh, Colorado ended up beating Arizona, but that wasn't very hard. I mean, as we saw, they totally just routed the coyotes there, but I like Dallas here. I like Dallas to meet Vancouver in the Western conference finals. I I, I just think Dallas is a well-rounded team there. And if Ben Bishop can come back, I, I think it's not a slam dunk, but I think that it's more in their favor. I think they will be the favorite then. So you're rolling with the dogs, and I'm rolling with the favorites. So we'll see what happens here. I mean, Dallas is definitely one of the hotter teams right now. Like you said, they probably get an edge as well. If they do get Ben Bishop back, he clearly would be uh, a little bit of a better goaltending uh, goaltending option than Philip Grubauer. But you know, I believe in the Avalanche. Like I said, they've been eliminated way too many times. I think I do feel like they have a bad taste in their mouth, and they have plenty of talent up front to compete with Dallas's weapons as well. So. We can agree to disagree. It's better for our picks. It's better for the show. So I'll roll with the Avalanche. I'll let you take this. You you start with the East. You go ahead. All right. So 
in the East right now we have what Boston and Tampa. You said Boston was up two nothing right now. Do you have a score update for us, or is it still yeah, two nothing? Score update. Score update. Second intermission, two nothing. Still Bruins. Two nothing. Still Bruins. Uh, look, since I was wrong about Carolina, I'm gonna have to roll with the team that beat them. I'm gonna take Boston here. I think it is gonna go the distance again. I mean, how many times? Have not only you and I talked about this, but just any NHL analyst, how many times have we given Tampa the benefit of the doubt and said, you know what, this is their year? So many. So many. And you know what? Like, I'm just going to disagree with them. I'm finally going to disagree with them. They'll probably end up winning it this year just because I'm going to pick against them. But I feel like every year people say Tampa is going to win it this year. And I end up picking them just because they're the heavy favorite. And then they they crap out, they lose. So I'm just gonna I'm putting I'm putting an end to it right now. I'm gonna roll with Boston. They upset the Hurricanes, who I wanted to win just because my team was out of it. I'm gonna go with Boston in six. I just think that they have momentum, even though Tuka Rask ended up leaving uh, and forfeiting his chances to or his opportunity to play. Uh, with Boston through this whole COVID situation. I feel like they have plenty of momentum. They have one of the best players and best scorers in the league, in my opinion, in David Pasternak. Uh, plenty of veterans there with Bergeron, Marshawn, plenty of other players. They got knocked out in the cup finals last year. Huge bitter taste. I love that for teams. If they got a bitter taste, that means that they're uh, they're hungry. So I'm going to roll with Boston. I'm disagreeing with you again. I'm going Tampa here, dude. God, there, there's a lot of disagreements on this show here. I I just think Tampa, you know, like you said, every year we're like, this is the year. This is the year. This is the year. And finally, you know, they got out of the first round. They got that revenge on the Blue Jackets. And even though it seemed like a long series, it was only five games. They beat them in five. The only one, the Blue Jackets, the Blue Jackets won one game. So, I mean, I think that that's, that's a pretty clear steamroll right there. Um, the Bruins beat the Canes in five, and the Canes are a better team than the Blue Jackets, so they face the wor- uh, better team. And now when they match up here, I think that it's pretty, you know, it's even. I mean, you look at the offense, they're, pr- they're pretty even. I think that this, this win for the Lightning kind of is contingent upon Stamkos coming back. They need Stamkos here. But if you also look, Look at the goaltending. When it comes down to me and I evaluate these hockey games, I always look at the goaltending first. Because if you compare the goalies, that it might be the single most important position on the ice. It's one of the most important positions in all of sports if you're talking about solo position. If you have a great goaltender, I mean, look at Montreal. The Canadians were able to make and be very competitive in their series. And they actually beat the Rangers because, or excuse me, they were able to beat the Penguins because they were so good at goaltending. Carey Price carries that team. And I think that when you look at goaltending in this series, I think Vasilevsky is way better than Halak is. And I think that that's what's going to be the difference maker along with Stamkos coming back. And I love the Lightning here. I think it might go to six or seven games here, and I think the Lightning are just going to pull it off and advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm going to go I'm going to go with the underdogs here. I, I don't even know if they are. No, they're definitely the favorites because of the second seed. But I'm I'm going to go with the Lightning here. I think they're going to knock off the Bruins. Mark, look. I think you just disagree with me half the time just for the sake of disagreeing. But no, I mean, it's it's a good take. 
we've said it time in and time out that this is Tampa's year. I mean, it's been the narrative for at least for what it feels like the past five years. So the better half of a the better half of a decade, they've supposedly been the favored to win the cup. So we'll see how it goes. You have two blue blood programs coming out of the East here, meeting up in the in this round with Tampa and Boston. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, rounding out the East, uh, you have the Flyers who just knocked off Montreal. And then it pains me to say it, but your Islanders are rolling right now. And yeah, yes, 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 yes. What was, what was that? What was that? A uh, little, uh, little interjection. That's our, that's our gold chant. When we score a goal, that's what happens. Dude, get with the program. Okay, well, uh, you know, we'll just ignore that little interjection. Don't know what that was. A little weird, Mark, to sort of pat yourself on the back there. But uh, we'll keep rolling. Flyers, Islanders. I will say the Islanders do look very, very complete right now. They're playing extremely well-rounded hockey. Uh, They just knocked off the Caps. Barry Trotz, the Capitals' former coach, got got him a Stanley Cup there. He has that Islanders core rolling i'll let you uh i'll let you talk about them in a little bit but then you go with philadelphia uh they've they were the hottest team going into the break and they just continued that through the playoffs they looked great in sort of the preliminary round before the uh the qualifying when they were getting seeded uh between the top four teams uh they easily rolled past montreal in my opinion even though Carey price was keeping them in the series philadelphia was clearly the better team this is a tough one, but I'm going to have to give it to the Islanders. They look unstoppable. I mean, they completely dominated the Capitals, in my opinion, even though that the they ended up not sweeping them, which I thought that they would uh, as that series progressed. The, the Capitals had absolutely no answer. Every time they were playing from behind, they just couldn't get momentum over the Islanders. If the Islanders have a lead in the game, definitely by two goals there's no way they're giving it up in my opinion they just play way too smart they love setting it up in the zone i'll let you talk about their style of play but i'm gonna go islanders and six here i love that and just a quick quick little interjection here game update bruins scored again three nothing 17 minutes left in the third so looks like bruins might take game one so noah trending in your direction but with the islanders here i'm gonna agree with you I think Islanders are going to win, obviously, being that I'm a fan of them. And and just, just it makes me a little happy here. Todd Reardon, the coach for the Washington Capitals, out, gone, cut from the Caps after his tenure with them. After who left that team? Oh, Barry Trotz, won him a Stanley Cup, and then came to where? The New York Islanders, where they are facing the Philadelphia Flyers in the second round here. I love the Isles this round. Like you said, Isles, if the Isles get a lead, even if they're down, they'll be able to come back and, you know what, they'll hold that lead. They play defensive and fundamental hockey. Uh, the only thing here is that the game that they lost to the Caps, they were up to nothing. They gave up that big lead, and, um, you know, the Caps came back. And the Caps played a style of hockey in that third period there of that game. That was just like, you know what, if the Caps played like this the whole series, they might be able to knock off the Islanders, but they didn't because the Islanders were able to adapt. The Isles play a style of hockey that's very different from the rest of the league. They play a very defensive style. They play very fundamental. And Barry Trotz just, 
has a very good coaching style and has coached this team. If you look at this team as a whole, I'll be the first one to admit, there's not a lot of offense. Like, you don't have superstars on this team. You got a lot of good players. Anders Lee, Matt Barzell, J.G. Paggio, Josh Bailey, just a bunch of players out there that work really well together. The team chemistry is what's helping them the most, and I think that the Islanders are going to be able to knock off the Flyers here. I'm going a little bit extra on the Isles because they're my team, but I think that they're going to be able to knock off the Flyers here. I love this matchup. Um, When it comes down to goaltending, Varlamov, Carter Hart, I think it's very, very even, but... um, yeah, I like the Islanders here in this series. I think they're going to win it in six. Yeah, we'll. Uh, that'll be the one series that we agree on, and it pains me to say it because it is your team, and uh, you you also knocked off the Penguins last year, swept them, got the brooms out, and uh, out. yeah, Pens. Uh, Pens did not fare well against this team, but you know it's a good preview. I mean, it's not like they just came onto the scene this year. They were a great team in the playoffs last year, and they're continuing that momentum uh, again this year. So hopefully for our sake, for the sake of the predictions, that uh, the Isles will pull through. And uh, maybe you'll – who knows, man? I don't want to jinx it, but you could be uh, seeing a, a, a cup a cup run out of your team. So hoping for that as well. Too early. Too early to tell. But it's 100% attributable to Barry Trotz. I mean, he's totally turned this team around. And, uh, you know, it's great to see. And you know what? I'm not I'm not too proud to say it. The Islanders have won more games, more playoff games in Toronto than uh, John Tavares has with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we'll just leave it at that. But um, uh, let's move on to the NBA playoffs here. The last segment on the show. You know what? Noah, let's go over this. The Clippers and the Mavs, everyone thought the Clippers were absolutely going to steamroll the Mavs, and the Mavs were like, hold up. We actually have some good players here. We can compete with this team. Tonight, the Mavericks knocked off the Clippers. Luka hit an absolute dagger of a three-pointer. And you know what? They're back in this. He he rolled his ankle last game, had to leave the game. They lost to the Clippers. Now they're up on the Clippers 2-1. So, I mean... You look at this, how does this series affect the legacy that Kawhi Leonard has on his career as a whole? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I believe the series is what it's, I think it's tied 2-2 now, now that they did win today. So they were down 2-1, now it's tied tied up 2-2 after that great dagger, like you said, from, uh, from Luka there. But regarding right. Kawhi, I mean, wait, did you want to restart from... Uh, yeah, we can restart. I totally fucked that up. No, I mean it's only it's only a minute worth of talking. We're good. Yeah, yeah, I'll restart there. But uh, is this a good segment? You want to talk about this? Yeah, yeah, why? for sure, for sure. Okay, okay. All right. So let's move on to the NBA here. Last segment of the show: Clippers versus Mavericks. I mean, absolutely great series coming into this series. Everybody thought all the sports analysts, all the big time guys, they were all like, you know what, the Clippers are going to sweep them. Nope. Mavericks were like, you know what? Kristaps Porzingis, Luka Doncic, they were like, you know what? We're in this game. We're going to we're going to show them that we actually deserve to be here and they are. Series tied 2-2. Luka shot a dagger 3 to tie the game to to win the game tonight. So, they're absolutely a threat here. 
why is it that the Clippers can't win? And how does this affect Kawhi's legacy here? I mean, what are the Clippers doing wrong? And 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 how much of this is to blame? You know, who who are you pointing the fingers to here? How does leg how does Kawhi Leonard's legacy affected because of the Clippers if they win or lose here? Yeah, like you said, you know, coming into this series, I mean, I think we talked about it a week ago that, you know, I picked Dallas as possibly an upset team, and I thought that they had a lot of firepower with Doncic and Porzingis to at least be able to compete with the Clippers, but I didn't think it would be on this level. I mean, in my opinion, the Mavericks have the momentum right now after that uh, overtime win today and that great shot by Luka. He's playing absolutely phenomenal. Uh, There's just absolutely no answer for him for the Clippers. I don't know if you can pin this series on Kawhi because I do feel like he's playing very solid basketball, but it shows that he can't necessarily carry a team. I mean, you looked at the last two championship teams he's been on with the Spurs. He had plenty of talent around him. He had Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili. Those are all fantastic players, and he was just a piece to that Spurs dynasty there with Popovich, who's arguably one of the best coaches to ever do it. And then you go to the Toronto team. I mean, he had Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, and plenty of other talent around him there as well. He did a little more of carrying the load there. He was obviously the superstar for that team, but still, he was able to win a championship there. And he had guys around him. Now when you go with the Clippers, they were supposed to be this dynamic duo with Kawhi and Paul George. But guess what? Paul George is not showing up. And he's done that time and time again in the playoffs. Not only... With uh, with this case right here, but he hasn't done it in the past with the Pacers, and he did not do it with the Thunder when he was there with Russell Westbrook. He's supposed to be this super clutch-time playoff player, but what's he doing right now? I'll give you some game totals here. In the last two games, he's shot 23% and 18% from field goals, and from three-point, 20%, and then 12.5%. He had an okay game in the first game of the series, and they won that game. But he's played absolutely horrible in the past few. He just isn't doing his part there, and he wants to talk all this smack to other players in the league. I believe he was uh, noted talking to James Harden, talking some smack there, but he can't shoot right now. So if they lose the series, I don't think it's Kawhi's fault. I think it's going to be more on Paul George, but... To answer your question about his legacy, it'll show that he might not be the guy to carry a team. I mean, you look at guys like LeBron, you look at guys like Michael Jordan, who were touted as some of the all-time greats, they carried the team. But I will say, they did have stars around them. They were clearly the front-runner guy on those teams, but they did have stars around them. So I want to ask you that. Are, are you still going to put Kawhi in the conversation with LeBron, Michael Jordan, and those guys? Because LeBron had guys like Dwayne Wade. LeBron had guys like Chris Bosh and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love on those championship teams. Michael Jordan obviously had Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. So what are you going to do here? Do you think that it impacts his legacy? Absolutely. 100% it does. And even though you say those guys like, look, Michael Jordan, you say MJ, you know, like you said, Scottie Pippen, LeBron, Kyrie, Dwayne Wade. You look at Kawhi now, granted, Paul George is not playing well. You're talking 
at least LeBron, when he was on Cleveland with an injured roster, even though they got they lost in the finals to the one of the best teams of all time in the Golden State Warriors, and they were loaded. They were an absolute super team. At least he got to the finals. Kawhi is about the, they're two two. I mean, they could very well get bounced in the first round by the Dallas Mavericks because Luka Doncic looks like one of the best players in the NBA right now. So I think that Kawhi, absolutely, it affects his his legacy. And look, Paul George is not the only superstar on that team. They have Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, like absolutely great players that could be really good players on other teams. And they're on the Clippers. They're not even one the number one or number two guys. Totally will affect his legacy. Um, Kawhi here, granted, he's still throwing up like 29 to 30 plus points a game. Like he's still going strong. But if he can't close this out, come on. I mean, you look, a lot of these players, like look at, you look at LeBron and MJ. Look at the top guys in LeBron. You look at MJ, look at Kobe. I mean, you look at all these guys. It's like you knew that they were superstars because they could take over a game and they could win it. You know, you need a guy in clutch time, they could win it. I don't see that with Kawhi. Granted, he hit that lucky three-pointer against Philly last year to beat the 76ers, which eventually led them to win a championship in Toronto. But you know what? I think if if he loses to the Mavs here, one of the last teams to even make the playoffs, I think it totally affects his legacy here. And not in a good way because – you know, even without Paul George, Russ Westbrook's been telling everybody for a while. He's been like, you know what? Even though I had Paul George on my team, he wasn't that good. Come the playoff times, he wasn't that good. So I think that it will totally affect Kawhi Leonard here because he has a lot of playmakers around him. And if he can't get it done, he can't pull it out against a Dallas Mavericks team. That's, a you know, it's a lot to be said about the Clippers here and Kawhi, and it's a lot, it's more to be said about the Mavericks and Luka and how good they can be in the future. Yeah, if there's one thing that comes out of this situation, I don't think we should be talking as much about Kawhi and Paul George, and we'll definitely be talking more and should be talking more about Luka Doncic because he is absolutely lighting it up. You know, there was talk about, you know, the all-bubble team. Who's the best bubble player? Everyone's eyes have been on Dame Lillard in the past couple of weeks. Also with Devin Booker and TJ Warren from the Pacers as well. I don't think the attention should be anywhere but on Luka Doncic right now. Absolutely unreal player. Great case for top 10, just regardless in the league before this started. But I would say that he's a top five player in the league right now. I mean, you can't argue with the production that he's putting up. If you go look at his number, I mean, he drops 30 in a game like it's nothing. It's just easy for him. So regardless of how this series turns out, Luka Doncic has arrived. And honestly, he's probably been here for a little longer than everyone's noticed. He's one of the top players in the league for sure. Let's go on to the rest of our NBA predictions here for the rest of the first round. You got Lakers up on the Blazers here, 2-1. Who are you taking there? Are you taking Lakers or are you taking Blazers? Yeah, the uh, the Blazers were your underdog pick. I had Dallas, you had Portland. Uh, look, Portland's been making big waves throughout the bubble. I mean... They were playing absolutely fantastic, and they're led by Damian Lillard, who, like I said, absolutely fantastic player. But listen, it's LeBron James. He isn't letting himself get knocked out in the first round. 
especially this year with Kobe's passing and the fact that they're a one seed. Ain't no way LeBron James is letting an eight seed upset him. I do feel like this series could go the distance, uh, but I will say I think Portland's only going to get one more game. If that, I feel like this will be over in six, and I feel like the Lakers are going to edge out the Blazers 4-2. I'm going to disagree with you here. Blazers, baby. I'm sticking with them. I think Blazers, it's going to go to seven, and I think Blazers are going to pull it off. Dame time's coming down. Mellow time's coming down. Um, so, and, you know, CJ McCollum, he's really, really good. So I like the Blazers here to knock off the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers can keep up the pace of play that they've been playing the last couple of games. AD and LeBron have been absolutely amazing, but I don't think they can keep it up. So I'm going to go Blazers here. Um, but uh, let's move on to the next series because we're running out of time here. Rockets Thunder. Houston leads 2-1. Who are you taking? Yeah, this is an interesting series. I mean, you got Chris Paul and a uh, an Oklahoma City Thunder squad who, before the season, I mean, they were supposed to be a team that was tanking. And they have a lot of great young players, and they've squeaked into a – I wouldn't even say squeaked. I mean, they're the fifth seed in the West. I mean, that's a very solid playoff seed right there. But who are you facing? you got the Houston Rockets and a ton of firepower with James Harden and Russell Westbrook and plenty of other guys there as well. I mean – how can you bet against James Harden? I do feel like this is a series that could go uh, seven games. I feel like the Oklahoma City Thunder are probably the most underrated squad in the playoffs right now. All the attention in the West is on the Lakers-Blazers series and on the Clippers-Mavericks uh, series, but this Houston one is going to be a battle to the very end. But I think the Rockets have enough firepower with Harden and Westbrook to edge it out, so I'm going to go Rockets in seven. I'm telling you right now, I think Rockets are going to make it to the Western Conference Finals and possibly could make it to the Finals. I love the Rockets this year. I think they're absolutely amazing. Harden is not hitting his his stride from three yet, but uh, I think he's going to rebound. And once they get Westbrook back, they're going to be amazing. So I'm going to take Rockets here. I think the Rockets are definitely going to knock off the Thunder here. It's just a matter of time. Um, yesterday... Harden fouled out when it came to overtime, and in overtime, it's really when the Thunder really took over. But I'm going Rockets here. I think Rockets are going to knock them off today. Raptors swept the Nets. Everybody thought they could, but it's very telling for the Nets next season. They got Kawhi. I mean, excuse me. They got Kyrie coming back, and they got um, Kevin Durant is coming back for the team. So DeAndre Jordan's coming back to the team. So. They're a team on the lookout. They're a team that could be very good next year. And the Celtics swept the Sixers. I mean, I, I think we said it on last show that the Sixers were not going to do very well against the Celtics. But uh, there's a few other series that are still going on here. Nuggets and Jazz. Who are you taking here? The series is 2-1. It's halftime. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you right now. What do you think the halftime score is? Nuggets, Jazz, right now. What's the halftime score? You know what I mean? These are teams that definitely can score. Uh, obviously, since the series is tight, I'm going to think the score is tight. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm just going to throw out some random numbers here. Uh, 65 to 64 is going to be my guess. Definitely didn't look before, uh, before you asked me this question. You're the worst. You're the absolute I, I, worst, dude. Cause I was, dude. I had to prepare. I already had it pulled up. But listen, at least, I, at least I, uh, you know, made some fun out of it. Knew they were. Uh, I knew the score. Gonna That's admit fair. it. That's fair. Yes, Nuggets up sixty-five to sixty-four over the Jazz. I actually 
not going to lie. I live bet this right now. I think Nuggets are going to pull away with the win. I hope they do. But uh, I think Nuggets are going to pull away with the win here. But actually, uh, no, I'll take this first. I think Nuggets are going to win this round. And I think they're going to win the series. I don't think that the Jazz can really keep up, especially with um, the way that Donovan Mitchell has been playing these past couple games. Can he play like this the entire series? I don't think so. Not one player can do that, especially like him. He's a really, really good player, but he's not a really great player. So I don't think that he could really put the team on his back. So I'm going to go Nuggets here. It might go to six. Or, it's definitely going to go to six or seven, but uh, I think Nuggets are going to win this one. Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets have lost their last two, and they got absolutely blown out uh, in one of those games, 124 to 100, or 124 to 87, excuse me. I mean, that was just an abysmal performance by the Nuggets. Uh Nuggets were the favorite coming into this. I mean, they're the three seed. The Jazz are the six seed. And like you said, uh, Donovan Mitchell has been playing absolutely phenomenal for the Jazz. He's been tearing it up. But the question is, can he keep that pace up? I mean, it's a close game right now. Uh, Obviously, basketball, especially in the NBA, has a ton of point swings. So we'll see how that looks uh, towards the end of the game. But listen, like you said, I think that – I think Denver's just has way too much uh, talent there to let Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz sort of knock them off. I feel like this one's going to go the distance, though. I mean, they already have a game up on them. I don't feel like they're going to go down without a fight here, but I do think Denver has a lot of fight in them. Nikola Jokic, fantastic player. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, very, uh, very great players for them as well. So, listen, I feel like this one's going to go the distance. This is an interesting series. I'm going to go Nuggets in seven, though. I'm going to have to agree with you here. I don't think Donovan Mitchell can keep it up. Let's go. So, some hot takes this week. I mean, we disagree with the Lakers-Blazers. We agree with the Rockets-Thunder and, you know, the rest of the games, you know, Celtics and Raptors both, um, both won this week. Oh, I didn't ask you. Who are you taking? Clips, Mavs. Who's winning that series? Dude, I got to roll with my Mavericks, man. Luka Doncic. Fantastic. If they get Porzingis back and his injury uh, concerns that, you know, they've been lingering over the past uh, week here or so, if he's clear to go, they're going to win the series, in my opinion. I'm going to, I mean, I think, I do feel like it's going to go to the seven. I don't feel like Kawhi is going to go down that easy. Uh, and if Paul George shows back up, that's obviously going to be a concern for them. But, Look, Luca can't be stopped. If there's one player that's on a tear that I don't feel it can be stopped right now, it's him. So I'm gonna have to go with uh, I'm gonna have to go with Dallas and seven. I agree with you here, and uh, just to say, you know, this is kind of trivial, but uh, Milwaukee is up on the Magic two to one last week. I said that Orlando was one of the worst basketball teams I've ever seen in my life, and in the first game they beat the Bucks. So, uh, you know, I was pretty embarrassed. I was like, you know what? Hats off to them. They deserve respect. And then they went on to get routed by the Bucks in the next two games. So, um, I don't know. They're not very good. I think the, I think the Bucks are still going to beat them here. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Like you said, you absolutely threw them a bunch of shade before this series started saying that they were one of the worst teams you've ever seen, which, my God, I mean, if you want to put a team down like that, jeez, man. But uh, listen, <laughs> they have Giannis, they have Middleton, they have plenty of other good players as well. Uh, 
Middleton played horrible against the Magic in the second game of the series, and I still feel like the Bucks won pretty handily. If Middleton and Giannis are both playing near where their top of the game is, they're going to have no problem beating the Magic here. I honestly don't think the Magic are going to win another game. I'm going to go with Bucks in five here. There we go. Yeah, I agree. I think Bucks in five. Let's go on to the Heat. Jimmy Buckets has totally dominated and led the the Heat to a 3 nothing lead over the Pacers. Noah, is there any coming back for the Pacers here? No, absolutely not. Listen, <laughs> look, Jimmy Butler's been talking smack, but he's been backing it up, man. And it's not just him. It's the rest of that Heat squad. They're rolling. Look, they have all of the momentum. TJ Warren, you know, like I said, along with Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, he was one of the perennial bubble players. Jimmy Bucket, I guess I'm just going to have to call him Jimmy Buckets. Even though it's Butler, we'll roll with Buckets here. But look, he clamped TJ Warren. He's had him on lock. Even though Warren's put up some solid 20-point performances, they haven't won a single game. And I don't feel like they have much of an answer for it. He's going to be chucking up shots. His field goal percentage hasn't been nearly where it should be in the playoffs for them to win. I feel like uh, I feel like Jimmy Butler and the rest of that Heat squad are just going to knock him out. And bold take, I feel like the Heat could be a team to make the run in the East to get all the way to the finals. They could knock the Bucks off. If the Bucks are caught sleeping with the Magic, Lord knows what Jimmy Butler and the rest of the Heat squad are going to do. I like that. I don't think the Bucks are going to make it to the finals. I just don't. I don't think that they're that good. But uh, I like that take. I also agree. Heat, Heat are going to go there, and I think they're going to put up a fight against the Bucks, and we'll see. We'll see who's going to win that series. But you know what? We've run out of time, and it's been an absolute great – this is one of our one, one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far here. Total debate show. We went over a lot. A lot of hot takes. We're going to monitor everything. We're going to keep track where we were right, where we were wrong this week. And Noah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Always a pleasure, dude. We'll keep track of these takes. Love debating with you. Love getting into it. And we'll see you next week, dude. Hoping that uh, hoping all of our picks work out. More so mine than yours. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Absolutely. And, and keep track on our uh, Twitter. We're still posting our gambling takes, and I think we're doing pretty well on that. So keep looking out on that, and we'll see you guys next week.